I'm Dr. Jillian Lucas-Baker. I'm a professor, a wife, and a mom, and I've struggled with fertility issues. I'm Sonora Joy Allwood, a holistic nurse, health coach, entrepreneur, wife, and mom, and I've also struggled with fertility issues. Welcome to A Tribe Called Fertility. All right, the Tribe Call Fertility listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to our amazing show this week. We would like to thank our amazing, special powerhouse guest, Mrs. Nigel Carter, for joining us on the show today, telling us all of her struggles and how she overcame each and every one of them to now be on her way to being mom of two. So you can um, start where, you know, wherever you want to start in, um, mm-hmm. you know, your, uh, your motherhood journey and your, you know, your IVF journey. So we'll, we will turn it over to you. Okay. Um, well, I am currently a mom of two. Um, I have IVF boy Lennox. He'll be two next month. And I'm currently six months pregnant with my second IVF baby, Lance. Um, He's due July 4th. Um, I want to say it all began when I found out I had PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, in college. Um, I ended up having really bad abdominal pain, was in the hospital. I wasn't at the time getting my menstrual. They were saying that it was because I was an athlete. And so... um, I just ignored it. I was like, oh, I play basketball, I play tennis. So, you know, whatever, I'll get it when I get it. Um, being a young girl, you're like, I don't get my menstrual, I'm fine. Like, you know, yeah. at the time, you know, none of the women in my family, you know, um, I guess paid any mind to it or, you know, just um, at the time listened to the doctor saying it was just being an athlete. Um, so me being invested in health at the time, I did my own research and I found doctors who wanted to go more in depth about it, found out that I did have PCOS. I was, um, I want to say about 19 or 20. Mm. And I feel like it was fairly new. Like a lot of people didn't have that much research about it. There's no cure for it. Um, they in passing, oh, you will be fine. You'll be able to have babies. Like and if not, there's other ways. That's kind of how it came off. Um, years went by, um, moving forward, college sweetheart, get married, ready to have kids, nothing's happening. Um, so at the time we were in Georgia, um, we went to, I researched at OBGYN, she started me on Clomid, which basically gets me to ovulate. Um, I did that two times. They increased my um, dosage, no ovulation. Um, come to find out I don't ovulate because I don't get a menstrual. Um, so we moved back to Maryland. I met um, a woman who was having issues and she introduced me to her doctor, um, who's now my doctor, Dr. Tiffany Wilson. And um, she was like, before we even put you on a higher dose of Clomid, we're going to check your husband. So um, moving forward, we found out that my husband had a blockage that he was born with, never knew. Um, At the time, they just assumed that he had no sperm, like, you know, at all. Um, 
And you know, men, they're like, no, check it again. So he goes two, three times. (laughs) And, you know, and they're like, you know, um, there's nothing. So he goes to a urologist and he's like, well, this isn't harmful. You have a, you have a blockage, but we can just take your sperm out and see if they're alive. Um, moving forward, they did. He had like three vials of millions of sperm that was fine and healthy. So that was a blessing. And, um, but because of my PCOS, um, we had to do IVF because I don't ovulate. So, um, It was a great, um, I guess, transition because we felt as though at one time we weren't able to have kids. And if my husband didn't have it as easy of just getting it extracted, then we would have had to get a donor. And that was like a whole conversation of emotions that we were going through. Of course. Um, Um, Would you mind just for families who may be faced with that conversation, Mm -hmm. if you would mind sharing what was that like? Um, so for my husband, it was a little bit more, he was a stand, he wasn't as, I want to say standoffish towards me, but I was relieved because years, it was my fault. Not that he ah, hated my fault. He never, I mean, since college we met, I always told him I might have trouble having kids, even though we were 19, 20 in college, we weren't even thinking about kids, but it's something I felt that I owed to him at that time. Like, if we are going to move through college and forever be together, you need to know that I might have trouble. He still stuck around. We now are married and here we're faced with this. And then he finds out he's having trouble. And so um, it was a very emotional time. But we stuck it out and we said, at the end of the day, we want to have our own kids. But he grew up in a foster family where um, his mom fostered kids. Um, And so he was open to adoption. Um, He just wanted to do everything that he could do to have his own. Okay. So when we found out that they were able to extract, it was literally like a 20 minute procedure at Shady Grove. It was like the relief of stress just wiped away. Um, because we knew that we could do whatever on my end, right. me, I could carry a baby. Um, my, you know, uterus, everything was fine. It was just, I just didn't ovulate, but um, it became pressure on my husband. Cause he was like, well, if I don't have sperm, then I can't have my own baby. And so um, not to say that it was okay when it was just me, but you know, men are just like, you know, it hits their ego a bit, especially oh. you're now 30 years old and you're just finding of out course. that like you could be the problem. Right. Um, so, there. We <laughs> all know. Yeah, my, my husband actually know. had low um, motility. And mm-hmm. so he had sperm, but not enough to successfully implant. So yeah. we had to do some changing up of his diet, limiting yeah. certain things and getting stress under you know, control and, um, yeah. and then it was able to be fixed, but I know what you mean. Like, it's kind of like a, oh, yeah. cause you feel um, yes, so much pressure right. on you, you know, as the woman, the it's woman, like, right. we have to carry the baby. We have to, you know, it's, it's so you, you own it, you own that yeah. whole experience. So when, you know, it can be them, it's almost like, you know, it takes like, I was, I was relieved. <laughs> I, I felt, Me I too. felt pain because I've been there all there, for the past. That 10 part. years so I can relate mm-hmm. and I feel like that brought us closer because now he can relate to how I've been feeling um so that's powerful um, that's yeah, powerful like it, right there yeah it was um, 
it was very good. It was a great experience um, as far as the connection that we yes. went through um, being newly married, although we have been together for years. Um, but you're, you know, when you're in college, you're young, you're not thinking about, you know, none of this you're stuff. You're trying to make sure you don't, don't get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> you're like totally um, opposite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so this was like the, the test of our marriage. It was the biggest test um, that we had because um, we were, year one was great. And this, here we are year two. And it's just like, we're about to go through surgeries and, you know, um, so we had to figure out, um, are we ready to have a family or are we ready to buy a house? We can't do both. Um, mm. I got a really good job. Um, and so I basically, at the time we moved, I quit my job. I said, okay, we're going to do this. We'll figure out the money situation um, and make it happen. Um, and so we started the process. Um, and everything was going well. The shots were horrible. Um, I did that every day for like three months, taking medicine, taking mm -hmm. pills. And with the shots is definitely a mental thing. Cause you know, my husband gives blood all the time. <laughs> the nurse and I could not do it. No. It, yeah. it was something strange about mm -hmm. like going to inject myself. Like my hand would start shaking. Like I just couldn't. Yeah, it's hard for me, so I can I can I can relate. You know, uh, yeah. it is uh, mental. I'm not a mental person, so <laughs> I give it up to you for your strength because yeah, it would die. I you, would definitely die. To, you definitely have to. Um, which people around me um, always they always say, Naja, you always get yourself out of situations. Like you're very strong, and sometimes mm. all humans feel weak at a time. Like, can I do this? You know, can I do this? And at the time I'm like, can I literally get stabbed every day by my husband, who's not a nurse, <laughs> not a doctor. Um, I'm looking at these <laughs> long needles and I'm like, what is going on? And I'm super tired, drained. Um, when I had the egg extraction, I ended up getting hyperstimulated. Um, and so my ovaries um, were swollen um, and the that, fluid. That's OHSS, right? Yes, so yes. the ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. Yes. yes. So could you talk more about that? Your ovaries actually swelled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they actually mm -hmm. swelled. They were inflamed. Um, I stayed home for like 24 hours, but I mean, I was vomiting and going to the bathroom. I was getting really hot. Um, I literally couldn't. My stomach was probably, um, my stomach was probably, I looked like I was six months pregnant because my wow. stomach was so full with fluid. And like, um, finally my husband's like, we're taking you to Shady Grove. Well, I got to Shady Grove that morning and they were like, we can't extract the fluid because um, you drank water this morning. So I had to go back home 45 minutes in pain, wait till the very next day no. um, for them to um, extract the fluid. It ended up being two liters of fluid. Um, and at first it was like, okay, like this isn't too bad because um, 
they did it ultra vaginally at first because it was in my stomach. But then about four or five days later, I guess there was some more and it traveled to my lungs. So I was on my way to an Orioles game and I couldn't breathe. So my husband rushed me to the emergency room and they were like, your lungs are full of fluid. We need to get you an emergency like, you know, surgery to get all the fluid out. Um, my oxygen level was really low. And at that moment, I was done. I hadn't even like, yeah. I mean, I get chills thinking about it because I'm like, I literally was putting my life on the line and I de- I wasn't even pregnant yet. And um, I mean, to think about yeah. it, it's like, I'm glad that I had support, you know, and you constantly have to think like, I'm doing this for a reason. And sometimes that reason isn't enough. And that's how I felt. Like, I'll be you know, fine. You know something, Nigel, what I find so interesting about your story is that on the flip side, women are dying during childbirth. Black yeah. women mm-hmm. are dying during childbirth. Right. But now mm-hmm. you almost died trying to, to conceive. Have a baby. Yes. And people don't, I, I think. It's heavy. People don't grasp that um, our bodies are very strong, but you have to also be mentally strong because you have to want it so bad that you're continuing to put your body through it. I mean, just like when you actually conceive and you see people have three, four, five, six kids and you like, you know, men, like you went back for more, (laughs) like, you know, it's very painful. Um, (laughs) And people say that to me now that, you know, that I went back and did it again. But, um, you know, this time around, it wasn't the egg extraction because I ended up having seven embryos that survived and was able to freeze. Um, So the first one we used was Lennox, healthy pregnancy. I was playing tennis 32 weeks. um, Up until 36 weeks was when I found out I had cholestasis, which is a liver bile disease that some women get at their third trimester. I was very itchy. Um, He was at risk to be a stillborn. So um, they induced me and he came out healthy um, with a broken arm. Um, And that was a whole nother experience. So I went through IVF and surgeries and my husband went through surgeries and here I am getting induced three weeks early. My son comes out what I think is healthy, but not breathing. Um, then rushed to the NICU, um, in the NICU, crying for five days for me to find his broken arm on the day of discharge. It was, it was just like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this again. Like it was so like traumatic. Um, Yeah. That's a lot of trauma. That's exactly what I was going to say. You took the words right out of my mouth. Trauma, trauma on top of trauma. That's a lot. Broken arm. Yeah. So how did that get, how did that even get missed? And then on the Um, day of discharge. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, I'm not a nurse, but I heard that there's like a checklist that they have to go through to, you know, in order to discharge a baby. It's a long, it's not, it's forms. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So my doctor, Dr. Tiffany Wilson, she blatantly, um, and my husband and I were talking about the other day, he was like, you know, you were, you just had a baby, you weren't thinking about it, but I heard her yell to the nurses, make sure you x-ray his arm because they assume when you pull the baby out, their clavicle just breaks. But she said, no, I had to pull his arm so I know that it could possibly be broken. Put in her notes and everything. 
No one paid any mind. I'm going downstairs, picking my baby up every day, trying to breastfeed. Doctors poking him. They're like, oh, he's the loudest baby in here. I'm not thinking nothing of it. As I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, I literally cried the other day talking to my husband about it because I'm like, our baby was in pain for five days and nobody came, nobody, mind you, he was at the time, I think the only African-American baby in there. And so that. the nurse that was in there of loved her. I mean, of course, but she wasn't there all day. So I'm, in my mind, I'm like, okay. So when I said, why is my son's arm black and blue? And the other one is fine. And immediately they went to go get some other black top doctor. She came down, which in my mind, why are you in the NICU? I mean, I think she was like a surgeon. I don't know what she was. Um, so and as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, they were covering their tracks and trying to make me calm down about it by saying, oh, we're going to set up the orthopedic. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm a first time mom. Bring I'm ready. Black doctor. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm yeah. ready to leave at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but here I am, IVF, induced early, broken arm, have a nice day. Like, that's how it was. And, you know, I mean, my son's Bobby too, his arm is fine. But as I'm going in to have another child, I know, yeah, you know, right. and this time around, IVF was not as traumatic, but we did a transfer in September that did not work. So although it did not take, you almost feel like it's a miscarriage because it's your baby that like yeah. you're losing. It's an embryo. Lost, yeah. You know? um, so luckily we were able to turn back around and do another transfer in October. Um, and um, this one took, this is Lance, but the day of my transfer, we get in a car accident. No. So, no. It's just like constant, like it's always something. And my husband and I, we live in Maryland by ourselves. We don't have like, you know, the village. Um, So we take all this on ourselves. And, you know, people just get the surface of, yeah, we have to do IVF and here we are pregnant, you know? And um, when I started posting a little bit on Instagram, I started getting moms from my school, college, like, oh, I have to go through this now. And you know, oh, I have to do this. And I don't think my husband's ready. And I'm trying to be as helpful because I'm like, you guys are only coming to me because I told my story on my personal page, which means you're not hearing this about from anybody else. Right. Like, this is, to you, this is like, I'm the only person in the world that's doing this. And that's a problem because there are some people that might have a great IVF experience, but that's not the norm. It's not the right, norm. right. <laughs> and we found in our research, you know, that white women talk to their friends about, you know, having a baby um, more than, yeah, more than black women. And mm-hmm. it's just in the numbers, you know, it's just, it's, it's disgusting, you know, and it's sad because it's like, why, you know, I know for me, I carried a lot of shame not being able to have a baby. I just yeah. felt like, I don't know. I just felt just really just a lot of shame. You know, like I didn't talk to my family about it. Um, I didn't talk about it for almost like a year, you know, with anyone, like, except for my husband, because it was just embarrassing. It was like, I can't, I gotta go through, like, I can't have a baby, you know, like, I couldn't even wrap my mind around it. And then, 
to find out that Jill was going through it too, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, we didn't even talk about it. Right. Yeah. We never and talked not about, talking it. about it to a lot of people. Yeah. Right. I, to be honest, was the total opposite. I mean, you know, when you hear people, I see it on Facebook sometimes, like I'm a part of a lot of um, support groups. Like a, we have a Shady Grove support group for women who are going through IVF. And then there's a Shady Grove support group, um, pregnant and beyond. And I do see most of the white moms on there. Um, they're, they talk to their families and it's a like, it's a family ordeal and, you know, families are giving money and helping them because it's like, we want grandkids. That was nothing of us. It was like, you have to go through IBS. It's very expensive. Good luck. <laughs> you know, like that's what we got. So Mm-hmm. he had to give up things you know my husband was a skydiver he had to sell his parachute he had to sell his drones like we had to sell things we had to put aside from buying mm-hmm. a home. um we had to you know be with one car for two years like we sacrificed to have our children it wasn't like we were able to lay down and just have them and i don't take that from anybody blessings if you can just do that but that's not our case and i'm not going to pretend like mm-hmm. you know that's, you know, it's not normal for people to have to go through IUI or IVF or yeah. COVID. Um, it, like well, it's a new nana, normal now. It's a new normal. Right. Like my Nana, she, you know, she's almost 80 and she's like, I had seven kids with no problem. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and I'm just like, right. That right there. That part. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, you really had seven kids and had no problem. Like, yep. you just, went on with life like so like you know old grandparents they just say whatever <laughs> but yeah she's like, i don't know what's wrong with y'all now like y'all you know all these it, kids coming out gluten-free and like <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's true though it right. has true. a lot to do with your grand probably was not eating the foods that we we're eating she probably yeah, right you know um her food was probably fresh farm fresh yeah. it probably it, it, there's so much going on there was less pollution in the air you know yeah. it was those less emissions, like there's right. just, so all these things take, you know, are right. responsible for where we are today. Right. And it's a modern issue and it's a new normal now because a lot of families are faced with these, you know, issues. And I'm just, I'm just glad that the universe blessed you too with children, because yeah. like if your pre-parenthood is like a precursor mm-hmm. for who uh, you guys are going to yeah, be and exactly. the children that you're going to raise. Honestly, you're going to, you're going to raise kids who are great contributions to our society because you've already put so much work in to have them. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it speaks a lot to you and your husband's character. So Thank I'm just you. so glad that you had a positive experience in spite of all yeah. of the bumps <laughs> in the road. And, and that just right, leads me trauma. to like, the trauma, you know, and you to me are like the quintessential strong black woman, like really, because you're rolling with Absolutely. it. You're like, I'm gonna keep going, you know, yeah. all right, car accident. Oh, well, we got to get there. Like, and, and this is what we do, but we don't take enough time to pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I definitely don't. And I, um, sometimes I'm like, I'm the ish, you know, like I did you that. Are. <laughs> Like and all while going through IVF with Lennox, I was in grad school. So oh, I was like reading papers on my deathbed. <laughs> 
and you know submitting theses and capstones and going you know applying for internships and so public health language (laughs) so yeah i'm like i'm all while going through ivf and um taking shots and going through surgeries and um being sick i'm pushing because i have the passion to teach others now um however that may be um i whether it's because of my experience or because you know i i research i just know that i was placed here to teach others now i might not be the best public speaker or i don't come off right but however i can get across to the majority of black women going through what i'm going through or thinking about going through what I'm going through, I want to be that person for them because I didn't have anybody that looked like me that was there for me. I had a group from the same IVF clinic and they did not look like me. Right. So- And we had some alert, right? When we were in our infertility, at our fertility clinic, yeah, we were the only, well, yeah, black couple there too, right. And even in the chat, like in in the Mm -hmm. group sometimes you hear, women saying, um, you know, they, you can tell they got money and they're just like, well, if you guys can't afford it, cause you know, people are talking like, wow, I didn't know IVF is so expensive. Or do you guys have any like shared programs that can help? And you would get comments from these like rich folks that like, well, if you can't afford to have a baby, then why are you going through IVF? Like, you know, and it's just like, or why don't you just wow. adopt it's cheaper? Like you get all these comments, mind you, I'm not responding because I don't respond to ignorance and you don't know what's in my pocket. Okay, like I could be making six figures and I'm still at the thrift store. Right. Okay. Yes, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> so it's just like you can't you can't judge a book by its cover. Um, I really try to tell people to stop asking when people are gonna have kids. You don't know what's going on. Um <laughs> did you all like, hear what Nigel just said? Stop asking people yes. when you're going. Can we all just stop asking people that question? And I yes. get it. I I get it. But it's like we now Not your it's business. a new normal. People yeah. are struggling, and we have to bear that in mind. You don't know what someone is dealing with when you're asking that question. Maybe you could say, "Do you guys want to have kids?" Or maybe yeah. just not even are say anything about at all. Yeah. Right? Because it's like you put extra pressure. But not when are you having kids? Yeah, like it, I'm interested. Do you? How can I help? Like, is it something you guys discuss? Not even getting into someone's business, but like, I think there's ways you can come off to ask people if they want to have a family and, you know, just be prepared. If you meet someone like me, who's going to say, oh, infertility. Now, now what are you going to say? What's your response? You know, or then- somebody like me who might just break down and cry. <laughs> I'm <I've been laughs> crying. Wait, wait, yeah. going to do that? It and depends that- on what day it is, you know? Yeah. I just am like... <laughs> I was so, um, I think I was amazed at like the fact that um, I couldn't get pregnant on my own, which I think got me to get into public health too. Cause I'm like, how is this possible? Like women have babies all the time. Again, my Nana had seven kids with no problem. My great grandmother had, you know, four or five kids with no problem. My mom had kids with no problem. And here I am, you know, not being able to have kids. So like, what happened to me? So I want to know, you know, what's going on. And I decided to focus on um, getting a general public health master's degree because I didn't know where I would fit in. And I didn't want to subject myself to be just in maternal child health when I could be 
in epidemiology or I can be in something else that can essentially help um, figure out things about Black women. Not that I don't care about all women, but right. I care about women who look like me. Right. Because we're the ones who are getting affected the most. We're the ones dying the most. Conceiving, do- being pregnant, yes. having the baby. Um, and we shouldn't have to go into a hospital and have like pra- a, a lawyer next to us practically to even right. help us, you know. Um, right. My doctor tells the nurses, <laughs> they like, look, she know what she's talking about. So don't even, you know. Don't, don't even do it. And it's so true. <laughs> don't even try No, it. it's true because I know when, you know, when I'm in that setting, it's, we, we, we do talk and we have code words. Like we call patients who are alert and oriented. Oh. We'll be like, that's a walkie talkie. And that's kind of like the heads up oh, yes. to where yes. it's like, right. all right, go in there, realize they know they're with it. So yeah. it's it's so true. And and it does affect your outcome. I hate to say it because bias is real, you know, yeah. and and some of us don't know how to check our biases. So yeah. it's like, it, it is. And I love your doctor for saying that because it's like, let me give everybody the heads up. Right. She's not the yeah. one. She's not the Right. Yeah. When I, I I spoke on a panel when I was pregnant with Lennox um, during Women's Month, and I told the women, um, "You pay these doctors; they don't pay you. So right. you tell them what to do. They can come in there and say, I want you to take this, this, and this, and that.' Okay. And what is this, this, and that? And why do I have to take this, this, and that? And if they get frustrated about you asking them questions, then ask another doctor. Because you know what's so crazy to me with that is if you're asking me a whole bunch of questions, that means to me, I'm not doing my job right. Because mm-hmm. if I explained it thoroughly, okay. you know, mm-hmm. as a nurse, we're trained. We're trained on how to assess. And then we're also trained on how to educate. And yeah. so during that assessment, we know like who our audience is. We know how to speak to you. And if I'm not speaking to you in a way in which you can understand, and if I'm not making adjustments, I'm not doing my job correctly. Like That's what that tells me. I don't get offended by questions Mm, you know what I mean that means you're eager to learn and but some people do get off put by that because maybe they got to get to the next patient you know or they just don't have it's there's so many factors ego that too too. ego 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 Ego, you know but for me it's like I check that because this is my job like this is what I'm here to do Mm -hmm. is make sure you understand you know like why that bothered anyone but it's sad because not always things get in the way. Yeah, <laughs> right. I definitely recommend nurses who go out that way um, to have just more than bedside manner. Um, you know, especially when you're a first-time mom. I'm in the unfamiliar. Um, I had my husband, my mom, and two doulas. So I was not playing, okay? <laughs> I was wow. like, there's going to be four witnesses in here. <laughs> and plus, I have my doctor. So, you know... Now, what made you have two doulas? I, I, I want to ask that question. <laughs> so, so, um, what happened was my doula, um, Chanel Gross, she we went to college together, she started her own doula organization. Um, she was supposed to be my doula, but Lennox came three weeks early during her vacation, so she sent two of her employees because she felt bad, and um, and so they did day and night. And then oh, um, wow. I went and it was three. One just came in. She was like, I'm just coming, you know, just to be. So it was like a packed house in there. And um, I mean, it was a great experience. You know, my mom got to sleep. My husband got to sleep. Um, I was in labor for 24 hours. I had no pain. I was just hanging out. 
Um, and then I stopped, you know, dilating. So then the next day I had to like rush things. Um, and I think I felt overwhelmed with all the people when like I started breathing for him and then all the doctors had to rush in and like help. So um, it's definitely going to be a different experience now because they're not allowing doulas in you know, the hospital. So I can, you know, I, my husband is very supportive, so I'm good with just him. But I think it's very unfortunate because there's people who don't have husbands, who don't have a significant right. other, and they're paying for support, a doula. And their right. doula are even allowed in the hospital. Um, so I think a lot of women are choosing- I find that, that like another form of discrimination. That is- Yeah. Of, you know what yes. I, that Are you kidding me? You like, can't I, have your doula with you? Yeah, the, the professional hospital? who's here to make sure that me and baby uh -uh. are okay, right? And it, to me, it's like it's it's so that's so frustrating. When you said that, I was like angry because mm. I'm like, God, here we go again. Like this is yeah. an, yet another, another right? You know, stumbling block when they know right. how we're faring yeah. in terms of childbirth and our kids, and then and it's just right. and black women and babies fare better, and that. That's in the research when there's a doula. When a doula is present. Yes. They they know, they now are seeing that Black women are requesting doulas or paying for doulas. And it, they're probably blown away by it. Like, oh my God, Black women have doulas now. Like, let's figure out how we can stop that. You know, because, um, well, you know. Because there's it, a dollar involved. Yeah. I understand it's COVID and we're taking precautions. But you know what gets me? is when I go into the hospital and labor delivery, I have to take a COVID test, but not my husband. So how does this make sense at all? That it doesn't make sense. Exactly, but you're telling me my doula can't come in. So you're allowing my husband who possibly could have COVID and he doesn't, he's allowed to be in there as my support person, doesn't have to take a COVID test, but I do. And I already, wow. asked, I already asked him, I said, <laughs> I asked my doctor, I said, are we able to give the COVID test ourselves? Because I get one once a month at CBS and I do it myself, the swab. And she's right. like, no, they do it. And I said, okay, I will be requesting a black nurse. Like, I'm not playing. <laughs> like, I'm not, because like, you know, it's just like, I cannot know the person, but they look like me. And in my mind, you are for what right. I, you are for what I'm for. And so- Period. I don't want <laughs> to at all feel uncomfortable. Every pregnancy is different, which I've learned. Yes. Every delivery they is are. different. They and are. so I want to put my guard down and feel like everybody that's coming in my room is for me when they're not. And it's and, you know, and that's and that's not to say that, you know, um a white professional, a white nurse could not be for you or what have yeah. you. It's just it's it's just when we're talking about culturally competent care, right? No one is really gonna understand Stand. me but me. Right. You know what I mean? Or or yeah. to a level in which, you know, um, you may be able to read um some unspoken Body cues or some yeah, right. like you you may be able yeah. because of just culturally we're we're familiar with one another. You know what I mean? And like you said, like looking in the mirror, there's something about that, you know what I'm saying, that yeah. that makes you vested in someone's outcome, you know. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from and I get it and you know what I've had the reverse happen to me I've been sent out of the room because I didn't look like them oh yeah so right. you know yeah. it, it's right right 
problem. I went when I was um, I had just graduated undergrad. I worked at a hospital in Maryland um, and I was a PTOT um, tech and I was helping a physical therapist and um, the patient said, I don't want her to help me talking to me. Old guy, you know, he was like, I'm not doing PT if she's helping. So me, young me <laughs> was like, who are you talking to? <laughs> you know, and I had to collect myself. But, you know, the PT, um, who was white, she after, you know, she was like, just stand outside. We'll discuss this, you know, once, you know. And, you know, she just pulled me aside and say, she apologized on his behalf, which she shouldn't have to apologize. She don't know him. He's just a patient. But professionalism is her apologizing and her saying, I'm sorry this has happened. This is normal in this hospital, in this field, um, because where the hospital is, it's a very, it's like in the center of a Jewish community. And so they also like, some of the men aren't able to speak to women. Um, and, you know, so that yeah, was definitely, definitely um something but i've been i've dealt with racism as a child like i grew up in predominantly white neighborhoods um the first time being called the n-word was in the first grade um you know remember his name thomas you know no thomas no i'm telling you it's like you know racism is taught so clearly we were seven years old and we were in first grade and you felt the need to say that and you don't even know what it is you just knew when you see somebody who looks like her right that's what you call her you know, he, he modeled the behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, that he saw at home. Yes. <laughs> exactly. yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I just think that, you know, every day I'm just hoping that I'm doing um, the best things I can for my boys. Um, being a strong black woman, I go through my stress and my, you know, little issues that I have um, just trying to find myself after all this. Um, yeah has happened um and mom guilt is real so yes, here it I, is oh yeah here yes, I it is. I that's a series this. yeah I, like i did all this to have you guys yeah and now i'm thinking about getting back into my career like how dare i leave you like you know and that's where i am but i'm on the other hand i'm like mom gotta go like i'm ready to go help some <laughs> other families so they can have little rugrats you know <laughs> or you know advocacy something you know and I had the opportunity um to um be chosen for a job in the past two years for whatever reason um I felt like maybe my passion is not good enough or you know I don't have enough experience no no it's all about timing (laughs) it's all about universal timing honestly um the right thing is yeah the right thing will come for you when it's yeah, supposed to be the right, right now. thing is waiting for you <laughs> yeah coming. and right now you're budding you know right now you're growing you're giving God, you know it's I, such I, a blessing for it's you just such to a be blessing home yeah it I'm, really is i'm blessed I, you know when we first talked i was thinking after we got off the zoom and i was just like you know as i'm talking about my story um i actually uh reread my blog that me and my husband wrote as we were going through IVF and I'm like I was going through IVF during grad school I was going through surgeries first time you know within the first year of getting married now I'm having the second time IVF during COVID like it's just like right 
something after something after something, you know, yes. then there's my transfer, got in a car accident the day after we closed on the house. Like, it's just like, you know, I am strong because I, there's, there's some people who would have just gave up. Like, you know what? Every time I'm trying to do something, something else happens, you know? And there were times I was like, look, you know, I graduated, got my master's and I can't get a job. But guess what? I got through my master's during IVF. And now I'm able to be blessed and stay home and raise my kids and something will come. And absolutely. I yes, think that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah, and like we said, it's, it's just such a blessing that you're able to focus all of your time and energy on your children. You know what I mean? And be home and not be stressed in the workplace while being pregnant, going yeah. through discrimination because of that. You know, like it's just, yeah. you know, it's it's it's, it's a blessing. That's a whole other thing. Oh, yeah. We have to talk about that in the show, too. <laughs> I dealt with that during my internship. That's a whole nother series. But yeah, it's no. a, it sure is. We do have know? to talk specifically about workplace <laughs> yeah. discrimination oh, while pregnancy. pregnant, while black. Yeah. It's now not how it is cracked up to be. It really isn't. Like, like in terms of the way how it's always pictured in a positive light, there's yeah. so much that we deal with, not especially as black women. Like, I can't even tell you many, the amount of times my stomach was touched without, mm -hmm. like, me wanting that. You know, like it just or your hair or anything. I was gonna say you took the words because it reminded me of when people were touching my my belly when I was pregnant. It reminded me of when mm -hmm. they would touch my braids. Yeah, be like oh, like, do you don't do touch you wash my hair, your hair? Like yeah, Salon like, said, how does don't it stay touch like my this? stomach like, unless you ask. Yeah, do not touch my stomach. I mean, I don't understand what goes through their minds when they're like, oh, how'd your hair grow overnight? Or like, how'd you do that? Like, uh, this Ooh, we need yeah. to make a conversation. But don't touch I honestly couldn't think like my belly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna walk around with a sign. I was gonna make like a little man or a shirt. Or no, so it was it was something. nuts how many people would do that to me. And I'm big on energy. And so it was like, and then I would find myself like paralyzed sometimes because I would want to be like, no, don't, but it was too late. The hand was already, mm -hmm. and I'm just mm -hmm. like, God, like you're all in my personal space. I understand people love babies. I right. get it. But it's just like, let me at least say, yeah, sure, sure. Let me prepare myself for yeah. you so entering. Like I got another one. I got another <laughs> one for both of you. So Sorry, at, it just gets me so I will worried. say at one of my last institutions, I'm not going to say which one. Let me just not go there. <laughs> but you'll know because I'm saying I was pregnant with Amari. And one of my faculty members who everyone knew she was a white female that she was never going to have children herself. She would say that herself. And I was the first faculty member in the department to ever be pregnant and have to kind of start the whole protocol for maternity leave. No one had ever had maternity leave in the department. So of course, me and my black self had to be the first one, right? Yeah. So then people felt that it was okay for them to then ask me, oh, well, what is that gonna mean? And how much time are you gonna have off? So this particular white female faculty member asked me, well, do you know how much time you're gonna get off? And I was like, well, the HR office said that if I have a vaginal birth, I'll get eight weeks off with pay. And if I have a C-section, it would be 10 weeks off with pay. And then her response was, well, I would love to have a baby just so I could get paid time off and be on a vacation. First of all, who says 
Because it's glad you don't work there anymore. Because spoken by the woman who said, "I'll never have children." Yeah, yeah, because so, I just think that like it's having a, a baby vacation. vacation. Yeah, like I. It's I being a, a vacation. Yeah, no, it's not a vacation. I literally <laughs> breastfed my son for fourteen months, and I yes. If I that's a, had a job, super woman. amazing. If I had a job, I probably wouldn't be able to do it. You know why? Because they probably wouldn't have had an area for me to do it. Right. Um, and it amazes me with my husband's job is because the first time around with Lennox, he got four weeks. And they were like, you know what? They, You guys need to be home way more. So now he has four months. Oh, and beautiful. I just think that women could never, okay? Like they like there's no existence of maternity leave for four months. I mean, and even so, I carried a baby for nine months, and you're telling me I gotta go back to work in six to eight weeks? No right. way. No way. You right. just you like out, you don't even find you out you're pregnant until six weeks. <laughs> exactly. Like, and you're just getting your bearings at yeah. six weeks. Like the baby's yeah. still so tiny. Nothing. You, 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 you're still not sleeping. Right. You still you're, have scars. You're still in yeah, pain. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I had a C-section and it was a crazy experience. C-section. Yeah. You okay. know? And so I did have 12 weeks, but I, I was like, I remember being like, no, it was about two months. And I'm sitting there looking out the window like, I, I don't see how I'm going to go back. Like, I, I just don't even see how this is going to work because I was just getting back on my feet. Postpartum. I have to grab my charger really quick. Is that okay? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can. We could just edit. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This so, is great. So I'm just gonna ask next about go back to the breastfeeding. I thought y'all would. I, I thought y'all would appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Awful. Ooh, and it's yeah. awful how many. Um, insults we have to endure, endure from yeah. other women too. Right. It's like, gosh. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, the insensitivity just drives me crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually happy that, like, now that you um, said it, Senora, that, like, I'm yeah. home blessed to be with my kids and be um, pregnant and have peace and not have to worry about going and not and out of the house now, especially with COVID, um, because I feel like it will be less stress on me to start a new job and be in my career and say, I'm done having kids. So I don't have to worry about maternity leave and, you know, where I'm a breastfeed. Um, but that's something I look for. Now, if I decide to go to work when the baby's three months or six months, that should be my choice. Um, I don't want anybody else to tell me that I have to go back to work or you can keep your job, but I'm not paying you. Um, and I don't like that, you know, women have to choose. Um, we have to choose to be, to be a career woman. We have to choose to be a, you know, a mom and do both. It's, um, it's kind of sad that our society is that way. I have friends in different countries and, you know, they get a year paid, like, Yes, they do. Canada, they get three years. Yeah. And I'm just like, what is wrong with our society? Yeah. 
I just don't, I don't get and, it. And, and you know, just because I, women actually do it, like just because some women actually do it because they have no choice, they have mm-hmm. no child care or they have no, no way to pay their bills or take care of a person doesn't mean that we're that, okay. It doesn't yeah. mean we should be doing it that yes. way. You I, know? Think that, I think that's, I think that's something that, um, should be discussed even with our men it's like you know they see us as being so strong and you know my mom did it and my grandma did it but doesn't mean that they should have had to do it they should have had like you know choose a career or stay home or there's no way my nana would have had seven kids now going as much as daycare cost okay i know sonora's gonna love this one it's like well you don't have to have somebody clean your house (laughs) <laughs> but how about that's what we gonna do exactly because i'm not cleaning it because <laughs> it's a lot you know we're we're career women we're you know we're raising our I can, families I can we're clean just very well it doesn't yeah it's not that it means that i want to do it right if there's just so many yeah we go <laughs> on about that <laughs> yeah i have my little housekeeper come once a month now now that i have a house because i'm like who is cleaning this exactly house with doing that newborn okay it's a lot he's looking at the bathroom like who's cleaning that they just in and out you know what i mean but it's and it's and it's just crazy and that that puts so much stress on your relationship too yes you know especially like when you have a newborn oh my god baby diaper duty just like everything I'm oh my great. God. It's a lot. Imagine working and trying to breastfeed and trying to take care of my son's broken arm. Right. Oh my, my goodness. Like, you know, like I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like I just, I mean, I say that now I probably would have done it, but. Yeah, we find a way. <laughs> to think that, you know, it could have been a possibility where I would have put, was put in that position. Yeah, it right. just sucks because people who, you know, don't look like us they have the support they have you know the stability their their jobs are so like yeah sure you can take my office i'm your boss but sit in my office you know like and we don't we don't get that option and statistics show that a lot of black low-income women live in area and work in um establishments who don't even have a space like that's they work in fast food or they work in you know i'm amazed that target has it that's why i love target they I have an area where you can breastfeed and stuff like that. Some right. targets. And um, yeah. I think that says a lot about your organization. Like, Yes, it does. Especially when you have the oh, majority. That makes a statement. Of, yeah, yeah it does. Majority of your women, a, a majority of your employees are women. I so think, you, you know, have- too, like we're, we're here in the South in uh, Georgia. And I was really surprised because we just, to me, I think Northerners, we have like this misconception that the south is not progressive Mm -hmm. and when i tell you we moved here and it was like the best thing for me with a newborn because everywhere has a mommy nursing room everywhere all the malls like most of the department stores um even some restaurants have a little area where so i always had space where i could go and breastfeed privately also i was able to do it kind of out in the public no one i didn't really get that many like is that what she's doing i remember being in the doctor's office in new york and having to breastfeed 
and somebody was like, can you please like go in the bathroom or something like in the doctor's office? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what I was and like, I was, this is offensive? And I had the little cape and everything. Oh, it wasn't yeah, like I had the boob out. You couldn't see anything. I'm good for saying, can you please take a seat and mind yours? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stop feeding my baby because you're uncomfortable. Right. Like, right. see anything. It's there's so like, ridiculous. Even family did that to me. Um, yeah. I hate to say oh, it, but yeah, my a lot of there's a lot of my in laws they placed me in in our community. In black, we were at a family cookout, um, and I was in the feeding. back of the cookout oh, yeah. with the cake, and they were like, "Oh right. no, no, no!" And they walked me. Oh yeah, they yeah, walked yeah. me inside. I don't care if your son is sitting next to me. Okay, you need to educate him and say this is right. normal. Because you're making it seem like it's a sexual Something's thing. Wrong. Right. Oh, my son is 14 or he's 13 and he's looking at your breast. Yeah, but I'm feeding my son. And was he breastfed? The natural, so- I know. And that's another, that's to me a yeah. whole nother yeah, stigma we need to have a series in our community. About, and we need to, I think. We I would love to have you back. You have yes. to check on, Nigel. Oh my gosh. 100%. There's so much more we got to talk about. Where yes. are you in the ICBLE yes. um, certification? So I'm about to start my training, um, my 90 hours of training. And then um, baby Lance comes, I'll take a little break. And um, crossing my fingers, the fall, I'll start my clinicals. Um, so yeah, it's a process. They did tell me that they give us five to six months to study. Um, so to give me time as a new mom and everything, I don't have to rush to take the April test. I can wait till next fall. But once I finish my clinicals, I'll be considered a lactation um, like advocate. But when okay. I take my license, we then I'll- That's all right. We yeah. have stuff for yeah. you to do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm just so, I'm just so happy that you took all of the um, obstacles and you turned them into something positive, you know? Yeah. And I'm just- I'm loving it. And for you to educate yourself, turn yourself into an expert, you know, to help promote breastfeeding, you know, to talk about IVF. I definitely want to share your blog with our listeners. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's amazing. That's why I said quintessential strong black woman, you know what (laughs) I mean? In every sense. So I'm so, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> I can't wait to be on any other is, episode. This is going to be the first. Thank you. you of many. A regular on our show. Of many. <laughs> okay. Love it. Love it. I didn't even stick to the script. Like the I know. We really didn't. We, we were just talking. I'm like, right. this is right. amazing. got to let it go where it goes. Yeah. This yeah. is how, how people feel comfortable and they listen and they're like, I've been through that. And, you know, they'll keep coming back because they don't feel like it's going over their head, you know you know um i meant to tell you that you do a really good job of explaining you broke down every acronym and explained it yes i'm like she's such it's wonderful wonderful that's good to hear (laughs) thank you so much you're welcome so uh nija please let our listeners know uh how they can connect with you on social media so my social media is Missouri Kakayo, which means beautiful wanderer. It's N-Z-U-R-I underscore K-I-K-A-O. And that's my Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. And listeners, 
please make sure to follow A Tribe Called Fertility on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Feel free to DM us with your questions and thoughts or to share your fertility story with us. For more information on your superb and beautiful podcast hosts, visit www.atribecalledfertility.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. It really helps the show and we welcome all of your feedback.